God, that we would never see things as coincidence, God, but we would see them as your hand moving. Yes, Father. Father, we are not lucky. We are blessed. We are under your graciousness, Lord. So, God, we thank you that you are the banner over us, that you own the cattle on a thousand hills, and that you're the lifter of our heads. God, we are grateful that you chose to wake us up this morning to give us another day to honor you. All glory be to you, Lord. Father, I thank you for our time this morning, Lord. I thank you that we have the privilege to come together as the body of Christ without fear of persecution or danger, Lord. God, we lift up those who do, Father. Encourage them, strengthen them by the power of your name, Lord. Father, I lift up churches all over this country that are meeting this morning, God. I pray that truth would go forth, Father. I pray that the gospel would not be watered down, that chains would be broken, God. I lift up Rob to you this morning, God. I pray that you would strengthen him for the call that is upon him, Lord, that you would bless him indeed, Father. I pray that he would speak the words that you have given him. Father, I thank you for what he means to us, God, but ultimately, Father, for what he means to you, Lord. I pray, God, as we come together and we hear your word, Father, that it would not fall on deaf ears, that it would be good soil, that there would be a ripe harvest, Father. I pray that no one would leave this place today without it settled in their heart where they will spend eternity, Lord. We thank you, for Jesus, for your sacrifice. And we want to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship our King. Amen. One God with a thousand names. You've shown up a thousand ways. You character is never changed. Forever worthy and deserving of a all Your reputation is of grace. Yes, Lord. And in your kingdom, mercy reigns. One God with a thousand names. Forever worthy. Deserving of them all We see Adonai El Shaddai God Almighty We see Jehovah Rapha Elohim King of Kings 
Take us apart I wanna be close 
Father, I pray that that would be the cry of our hearts, Lord. The Holy Spirit, that you would lead us again, that you would speak, Lord. Father, we would you continue to, to make it about us, or God, that we would just focus on how we like things done, or how we think things should be done. Oh, but God, that we would just seek your face, Lord. Above all, God, that if your presence is not with us, then God, we don't want to go. God, we need you. God, this is a work that you've begun. This is the church that you have birthed on this earth, Lord. It all belongs to you, Jesus. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit, God, in us to accomplish your plans and your purposes throughout the earth, God. So forgive us, Father, when we've made it about us, our timing, our purpose, our wants, our needs. Because, Father, it's all about you. So lead us again, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh and anew. God, give us a, a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord, for your name's sake. Humble us, Father, if we are not willing to humble ourselves before you. Humble us. God, your purpose is to have a people that you will call your own and then in return they will call you their God. Oh God, may we be accounted among those, Lord, who are called according to your purpose. That we would declare that you are our God. And not just it be mere words coming from our mouth, but a life that is truly surrendered and born again of the Spirit of God. So come, Lord. Come, Lord. Have your way among us and in us and through us, I pray. May this time, God, that we have gathered this morning, God, Father, be pleasing unto Christ, unto you, Lord, and may you, Holy Spirit, lead us. As you are our teacher, our comforter, our counselor, our guide. And we thank you, Father, that you haven't left us or abandoned us. That your love towards us is so great. So help us, Holy Spirit, to be attentive today to the leading and to the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So application, sustained effort, hard work. Just got a few more weeks of this year. And we've heard this theme of application all year long. And I pray it sticks with you for the rest of your life. That you realize that as Christians, if you're truly a Christian, not just by mere words, but truly your life has been surrendered, you've been born again, that you understand that your life now is to be lived 
walking in the Spirit so that you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, that your life is to be maturing, that you're to be growing, that you're not just to be a hearer of the Word, but you're to be a doer of the Word, that you're having a greater level and a desire of more intimacy with Christ, and you're growing to where you're more disgusted with self. So questions I want to ask you today as we start, before we truly open up the Word of God, is... Who began this work in you? And then the second one is, who sustains this work in you? And hopefully your answer is Jesus. He begins this work in you. He sustains this work in us. As he says, I have to go away so the Holy Spirit will come. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to teach us to obey Christ. The Holy Spirit will never lead us apart from Christ. So with this understanding, it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with anything of us. And so we have to put aside all the, our religious mentality. We have to put aside our religious works. We have to put aside our religious facades. We have to just put aside self and not get caught up in deception. That the gods of this earth, these little gods, that ultimately is controlled by the greatest enemy of our soul, Satan, to deceive the masses and creating these false religions out there. And the majority of these false religions slap Christ on them. But we are warned. We are warned. Jesus begun this work in us, and he is faithful to complete it. He's the author, and I love this, the perfecter of our faith. And so if you're not relying on Jesus, if you're not relying on the Holy Spirit daily to get through the day, to mature as believers, to, to accomplish in advancing his kingdom daily, then I would tell you something's wrong with your Christianity. I don't care, as you've heard me say, about your posts, about your prayers, about your devotionals, about what you do. It doesn't matter if Christ truly isn't ruling and reigning in your life. The enemy, again, will have nothing more than to have a masses, a masses of people deceived into thinking that they're saved. And they made it all about them. And just using the name of Jesus. The old church, we have to wake up. The church on the earth has to awaken to the urgency of the hour of the day and the generation in which we are in. And again, we are purposed for today. We are purposed for this hour. And in understanding that, then we are purposed to mature and to grow at the level that we need to live in this generation as Christians. It's not the same as it was last generation. 
last year. <laughs> Things are rapidly changing. You're being bombarded left and right. That's why you must abide in Christ. Remain in Christ. Apart from Christ, you could do nothing. And so you have to settle within yourself. I come to Christ, not on my terms, but His. <laughs> I must deny myself. I must pick up the cross and I must follow Him. I must understand that my life now has been given to the Lordship of my King. And I must serve Him. And I cannot serve two masters. It must be Christ and in Christ alone. And I must mature and I must grow. And I can enjoy the process of this growth. Because I know it's something that He's begun in me because of His great love towards me. So I don't have to be bound to my, my own deception and my own insecurities and my own feelings or my own lack as, as I only see myself through myself, how I'm not measuring up and I'm not good enough. Because Christ is good enough. And so we must understand the warfare that we are in. And it's only intensifying it's only intensifying. I can't stress it enough. I don't know what you're doing throughout your week. I don't know what you're doing throughout your days. I don't know what you're doing throughout the hours. But if you're flippant about your Christianity, something's wrong with your Christ that you say you're serving. Because I can tell you this, the true Christ, Jesus, is not flippant about who he was and who he is. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the Holy One. He is returning as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's coming back. Not as a baby in a manger or a Messiah just passing out hugs and nothings. No, He's coming back with a wrath. Unlike anything this earth has ever seen. And so... In and of myself, I don't have the ability to awaken you. I can only share the word. And I know the Holy Spirit works in each of us, drawing us to himself. But you have to ask yourself, why would you be resistant to the one who can only deliver you to true life, to true wholeness? To truth. To an eternity. Of life. Of living. Of freedom. You've had all these months. What have you done with applying truth? And again, it's not to beat yourself up. Poor me. Look, I'm a bad Christian. I don't want to go to church anymore. I can't be around them because, oh, they're talking about me. They're judging me. And you do all this weird stuff in your own mind and your own heart. And you make it about you. Blech. Just humble yourself, you all. Repent. Turn from your idleness. And turn from your idols. And turn to Christ. 
if you feel the weight of conviction, if you feel you're not measuring up, it's not anything of yourself. It's the Holy Spirit revealing to you that you have idols, you're bowing down to the false gods, you're living a life apart from the one in whom you say you love, and so you must repent, you must turn, you must have a sincere regret and remorse. And ask for his forgiveness and for his strength to get up so that you can be an effective laborer in this harvest field. Because the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. So application, sustained effort, it's hard work. Sustained effort, hard work. <laughs> to give one's full attention to a task to work hard. You, you can't keep being distracted. You can't allow your heart to remain divided. You've got to come to a place that if you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead, that you're maturing in that belief and that confession. What does that mean to your life and to those around you? Because there is a way in which you ought to be living. And it's not because man says, it's not because the church says, it's not because Rob says. Listen, it's because Christ, we're to be about our Father's business. That's what he came to do. He came to be about his Father's business. He knew the cross was set before him. He knew what he was going to endure daily. And I keep telling you, sometimes just the winds of life blow up against us and we collapse. And then I love the mis- I love I love what I hear when people say, "Well, we're just human." Okay, fine. <laughs> Keep strapping yourself to your humanity, and it'll carry you away with the flood. <laughs> yes, we're humans. Yes, you're still going to have this war within you of your flesh and your spirit. But we have got to stop giving our flesh the right. Yes, you can ex- experience your emotions. Yes, you can experience the weight of the circumstances. Yes, you can experience the force of the waves that are pounding you and dragging you under and bringing you back up. You can experience all of that. But it's not to become your God and whom you focus on, and then it begins to define your life, then now that's all the energy you're exerting is towards that. No, it's in the midst of all of that, that Christ should become greater. And if he's not, then you cry out to him. And the thick of it all, Christ, I need to see you. I need to know that you are for me and not against me. I need to know that you're not man, that you should lie. (laughs) That you know your God, that you know how to pray. That you know how to war. That you know how to get up and master that which is trying to master you. So it's not about suppressing. It's not about doing weird things. Like, oh, praise be to God. I'm going to speak as I speak and I claim. It's not about doing all these weird things that people do. No, the reality is experience life. Because in this world, you're going to have trouble. 
Rather you speak it, claim it, name it or not. Yeah. Troubles, troubles around the corner. Sickness is around the corner. Financial collapse is around the corner. Death is around the corner. I mean, you name it. It's all around the corner. You don't know the hour or the day in which it's coming, but it's coming. Because Christ says. But be of good cheer. Because he's already overcame the world. Mature to that level. Just be real. I'm not at that level. So be real, but get there. Grow, mature. Stop allowing all this other stuff to master you. And I'm not saying it because, oh, well, you know, that, that sounds good to say. No, because I have to live it myself. Christians before us had to live it themselves. The church has experienced that the church was birthed on the earth. And before the church, back in the garden. But they failed to listen. That it be not said about us that we have failed to listen, but that we bid in to what was handed to us because it looked better in that moment. That we don't sell our birthright just for a temporal fix of things. That we just don't give up on God because things aren't going the way we had hoped or planned. Or why does this have to, suffering have to happen? Or why is this going on? Or why is the world in this state? For God's sakes, we act like we don't know Him. When He has told us everything, including the end, the victory that he has already won and that we have already had in him so that that way we can keep our heads up and we can walk upright amongst a wicked and perverse generation. And we can live for our God. And I've been studying through the prophets as I've been studying through church history. And it just fascinates me that these men and that these women said, I mean, they were strong in their faith and their convictions. Daniel, throw me in the lion's den if you must. But I will not bow. I mean, people have endured. And again, life's winds blows against you and you crumble. I crumble. For what? Well, you know, God knows, God understands. And we make these weird excuses to stay down. To stay on our mat. To take up camp in the valley. We want everyone else to just sit with us. Everyone else just to, you know, oh. But listen, this is not the hour. We have got to be warriors. We have got to be people who are up, alert, watchmen and women on the walls, crying out to God, living for Jesus. And it doesn't matter what others are thinking or saying, even those who call themselves Christians. Be mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with. So applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. If we don't apply it, it becomes nothing more to us than a normal book, an impractical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, what have you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice? And the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself would be with us. 
Again, you understand the generation in which you're living and the generations that are coming, it's going to be more godless. People are not going to applaud your walk with Christ. You're actually going to be pushed out. Are you ready? Are you equipped emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually for the days that are on the earth and for the days that are coming? Application, you all. Application. And then the promise that we have that God is with us. God is with us. And again, I'm not saying it because, oh, it's a, you know, you know, just say it. Uh, okay, that's good. Give them a good. No, I'm telling you all. Like, it's here and now, and it's only going to continue to unravel. Well, that's not good news. No, it's great news because that shows you the hours among us. We're closer than we've ever been to the return of Christ. How cannot that be great news? It has to get darker. The earth is preparing for its Antichrist, which is ordained by our God. Darkness cannot overthrow what God has planned and purposed. And I don't know if y'all really know your God. If you're calling yourself a Christian, do you understand all of this is under His divine sovereignty to bring about His purpose for all eternity? That Christ would be being known. That His love would be displayed Throughout all generations and throughout all, and to all creation. How great is our God. Holy, holy, holy is our God. Come on. So we live as unto Christ. And we're sharing Christ as I spent last week talking about the gospel. We should be sharing the gospel. You should be growing. You should be maturing. The degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's word is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the word applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. So the degree to which you study and memorize and meditate on God's word. Think about this last week. How many of you got up today without a devotion time? How many of you just got up today, rolled out of bed, and poof, I'm a Christian? I'll make it a church if I can. And nothing else is distracting me. I'm telling you all, warning, warning, warning. Listen, man did not create church. As like man did not write the Bible. Man did not create church. Jesus purposed the church and birthed the church through the Holy Spirit. And people can't even get to church. 
Well, if I can. Well, I don't like the church. Well, I don't, well, you know this. Oh, it's this, or I got this, or I got that. Okay, fine. Things happen. (laughs) But if you don't have a desire, if you don't have a longing to be among fellowship, forsake every other relationship, forsake anything that can distract you or keep you, say, nope, I'm getting to church. Nope, sorry, that's not during this hours of Sunday. Well, that sounds a long time at church. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Like until you really have a desire and you cultivated a love for which what Christ loves. And last time I checked, Christ loves the church. He's purposed the fellowship of the saints to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. Why do you think when the plague was released upon the earth years ago, the church forsake the gathering. And God forgive us. God forgive us. But we are to be gathering. We are to be desiring. Christ is among us. He's with us. We want to seek Him together. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit. We need our commanding orders of how we're going to go out this week into the community, into our neighborhoods, throughout our families, throughout different circumstances of life that's going to come up. And until others in your life see your desire to love Christ and the church, don't expect them to. Oh, my family. When they don't even see you putting Christ first. The last time I checked the Bible, Jesus says, you put any relationship, anything before me. I mean, that's Jesus' words. It's not man's word to try to get you in a building or get you in a home, get you wherever they meet, to take your money, to do whatever, to manipulate your mind, to do whatever. (laughs) But until we get the right view of Christ and the importance of the church and the commission that we've been given to go, and to share the gospel, to advance his kingdom, to be kingdom-minded people, something's wrong. Wake up, wake up, oh sleeper. The devil's got your heart and your mind. You're bowing down to a false god. And you're comfortable with calling that little god Jesus. Do you understand the wrath that's coming? So application implies action. Obedient action is the final step of causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of scripture enforces and further enlightens our study and it also serves to sharpen our discernment 
helping us better distinguish between good and evil. How's your discernment been this week? How's your mind, your thoughts, the places you've gone to, the people you've selected to hang out with but did not share the gospel? You became subservient to their gods. I'm telling you it's time to wake up. You said, well, Rob, it's kind of too hard. Well, I'm sorry because the war is too intense. I told you I care more about your eternities than I do your temporalness. I'm not looking to, to do whatever, puff you up and itch your ears. This is the reality that we're living. And I am tired and I have repented. I have gone before the Lord. I don't want to keep serving these little gods. I don't want to keep going along and going through the motion with people in hopes, in hopes that they would grow up. Years later, we're still here. And I'm just distracted by all these little gods that they are serving. They want them, have them. I'm looking for people who are hungry. I want to go out to the lost. I want to seek the lost. I want to be available to the lost, the people who are truly searching and desiring to know that there's something greater calling them out of darkness. I'm telling you, we've got to wake up. I'm telling you all, we've got to wake up. This isn't, this isn't what it used to be, nor what it used to be should it have ever been. But I'm telling you, when your eyes are open, when you truly see the condition, and you understand the eternal destination for those who will end up in hell, not because he's a bad God. No, they just didn't love him. They didn't want him. So he abandoned them. He turned them over. Have what you want. But even in that turning over, if there was one moment in the midst of that turning over, that individual turned and stepped towards him, he would have brought them up. But once they take their last breath, there's no hope for that. Why do you think the enemy creates a religion that offers that hope once people die? Pray them out of hell. Light a candle. Charm, charm. Yank, yank, whatever. What kind of nonsense is that? Teaching of purgatory. I'm telling you, you better wake up. I'm telling you. I'm telling you all. And I'm not saying it for any other reason. It's because you find it in Scripture. I mean, I've been reading scripture like I've—I mean, I've read scripture for all these years. But I'm telling you, there's a level now. Like I'm like, oh Jesus, 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 Jesus. I had to make a decision the other day that would totally impact the course of my life and guilt of my life and 
our ministry, everything, just like, okay, God. And I had to come to a, 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 being reconciled to Christ and saying, Christ, I'm not gonna, if I'm not going to stand for you in this, then how can I truly say I'm standing for you? So yes, it's hard, and yes, I don't know the outcome, and I don't know what's ahead, but God, I want to put aside every fear, I want to put aside every insecurity, I want to put aside what people may think, I want to put aside everything, I just want to stand for truth, I want to stand for Jesus, and the confidence that I had to go and sit before, and to say, I cannot partake of heresy. And so I don't know what this means. I can only say if it continues to go the way that it's going or it's ushering in, because right now it seems like, you know, we're talking both sides of our mouth, but I just can't. And for the first time, there was such a confidence in Christ. To me say, God, what am I worried about? For goodness sakes, <laughs> when you delivered me, when you called me out, when that door was opened up, the God, I was like, oh, yes, I'm going. <laughs> I guess it's Christ. But God, that's just where I want to remain. And I still have the birth juice on me at that time, 25 years ago. So how did I get 25 years later intimidated to stand for Christ and to worry? What's next? How am I going to live? What's it going to look like? Oh, you know. And so when I'm speaking to you all, I'm just not saying it just to say like, oh, because it's a... No, I'm telling you, I understand the warfare. That's why I'm telling you the transparency that we have here, the collective opportunities that we can come together and we have a place and you can invite people to come no matter where they are in life. But just to hear truth. I'm not out for people's money. I'm not out for our own agenda. I'm just out for Christ and his kingdom. And so we collectively come together. And we know that, hey, we can come and we can expose everything that's happening within us and through us and all around. And we can just say, here, here, here. And we know that unless, unless we expose it and we say, well, we believe this is true, the true way. Well, then I ain't going to argue with you. You just got to go. <laughs> See, once you're hard and once your heart is hard and that you don't want to mature in Christ and you just want to remain and abide with your, where you're at or you just want sin to keep mastering you, well, then if that's your choice, well, then go let it master you. Well, no, it's not master. Okay, fine. Believe whatever you want. But you're not dragging those false gods up in here acting a fool and expect everyone else to cater to it. Oh, no. The same gospel as it would be for that type of sin, this type of sin, or that type of sin. It's all for all sin. I told you before, my sexuality wasn't all that Christ came for. That was just a byproduct of my nature, of your nature. Sin. He wanted everything. The gossiping, the backbiting, the slander, the murderous thoughts, all of that junk. The core of us we're sinners apart from Christ. But when we have been born again, we are now 
children of God. And if we find ourselves sinning, then we allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to remind us whom we belong to, and we repent and we throw off the sin that so easily entangles us instead of trying to justify us, justify or put it in front of Christianity. You're not a drunkard Christian. You're not a gossiping Christian. You're not a gay Christian. You're not a trans Christian. You're not a murderous Christian. There used to be some movement back in the days. Even before the gay Christian turn came out, the drunken Christian, like all these types of Christians. I'm like, what kind of nonsense is that? What kind of nonsense is that? Demonic. Teachings of demons. <laughs> well, no, we're just, you know, we're just grace. We're just grace. You know, we just, you know, we want to make sure people understand. We just want to walk and grow with them. We want to meet them. Show me that in the Bible. Show me that's what Jesus says. Show me that we have a right to ourselves and to claim everything about our old nature and unite it with Christ. What? Now we're to be dying. Self, not I, but Christ. God, that should be your heart's cry. Not I, but Christ. And in this world, the world is not going to rejoice in this. But you understand, this is not easy. The world is not going to rejoice. And that's why we find ourselves becoming more subservient to these false gods because we just want people to like us. I'm an undercover Christian. Like I'm working undercover among them. No, you're not. You're enslaved to their false gods. Because if you truly spoke up, they would look at you like, what? Or they would question, what on earth are you doing here? Because I remember the Christians, the false Christians who used to hang out with me. Jesus one moment, but... <laughs> and not going to fool the next. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need Jesus, Rob. You need Jesus, Rob. My wife and I, we're praying for you, but big boy, you're in bed with me. Where's your wife now? Like, come on, really? This is just, it's crazy out there. And you expect the gospel to be preached shh, to keep you content. And what Christ came to destroy. How did he destroy it? Through his body. He took upon the wrath you deserved. And he laid upon you, if you truly believe in him, his peace and his righteousness. His identity. Freely, he gave it to you. And you just want to be flippant about your conversion. You just want to be flippant. Oh, I'm a Christian. Poof, I'm a Christian. Poof, I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm a Christian. Do you understand the war that is going on? The tactics of the enemy. 
Oh, we have to wake up, you all. And again, we're not out there looking for devils. I can tell you now, they're there. You don't have to look under your hood and your sink. You know, you don't have to go run amok. I mean, people are doing things for the name of Christ that are just nonsense. There's a way to live and walk. And be about our Father's business. To connect with people. To share the gospel. To plant the seed. The word of the seed. It's not you who's going to harvest it. It's the Holy Spirit's job. But the days are getting harder. The hour is growing darker. And you and I, as true believers, oh, we better know this is not our home. So let them say what they want, let them spit upon us, let them beat us, let them drag us, throw us in camps, let them do whatever they want. Christ is coming for us. And this is the hope that we have. This is the way. Because he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. So deception, I, I said this last week, I just want to put this back before us. Deception leads to doubt. Doubt leads to the hardening of the heart. That's why application is vital. If you're dealing with doubt, doubting God, doubting Christ, doubting his word, doubting your salvation, doubting doubt in and of itself, deal with a striking blow by repenting. And get your mind renewed. You have got to be discipled. There's too many lukewarm Christians, Christians out there. They're not discipled. And they think they're going to be able to stand with the level, level of demonic teachings that are out there. I'm telling you, it blows my mind. The things I'm reading, the things I'm hearing, the things that are coming from the pulpits, the things that are coming from ministries, the things that are just out there now. And you go, my God. I don't know what you've taken in this week. I don't know what choices and decisions you've made. You do, though. But ultimately, he does. He knows your heart. And he loves you enough to continue to pursue you that you may turn to him, receive from him, surrender to him, repent, get up, know who he is, and know who you are that you might live. Well, it's uncomfortable And did you think it wasn't going to be? Well, people at my job, they, you know, no one wants my friends don't want them. And you think that's an issue that you have to determine, oh, should I follow Christ or not? Like, have you read the Bible? Like, he t- it tells us, like, your former friends, uh, they're going to berate you. What do you mean you're not doing what you used to do? What do you mean you're not? What, what do you mean? Oh, so now you're going, you understand. Like, you understand what Christ went through. So when we water down, when we strip him, when we make him common, oh, he was just a nice man. He was a nice prophet. He did nice things. 
And we say, well, how can people believe that? Because you believe it. Just as they did then, now you do. And you make him so common that it means nothing to you. So you just go along with the false gods. But when you know Christ, and you understand why he came, and what he accomplished, and how he lived, oh my goodness gracious, it awakens you. <laughs> and you just go, oh, I'm just, oh, you've gone before me, that's why you say follow you. Okay, well, all right, I'm putting everything in you. I'm putting my trust and my hope in you. I don't understand it, I can't see it, it makes no sense, but one thing I know, you're God. <laughs> and no matter what I have to face, you're God. And no matter what I'm going through, you're God. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not out there kicking up the dust, trying to, you know, provoke people anger to react to me. No, no, no. I'm just have to live my life as a Christian. So all these weird people that are out there claiming Christ and out there provoking, rattling the gates of hell. I don't need to go rattle the gates of hell because I already know that the gates of hell cannot prevail. I'm telling you, we got to wake up. The way in which you're to live. So doubt, it's increasing. Everything is challenging what you believe about the one whom you say has delivered you from sin, from darkness, from the power. Because once doubt sets in, your heart begins to harden and you begin not to look towards Christ any longer. That's why application is vital. Because we're to be the people of God, doing the will of God, for the glory of God. Listen, I heard this years ago, but then in my devotion time this morning, I read it, I said, Lord, aren't you something? I love this, God. I'm so glad that you brought this back to the forefront of my heart and my mind. It's called crab mentality. It's not a Christian term, if you would. I mean, the secular psychologists, they, they, this, is, this is something that they realize happens. And that's what it's called, crab mentality. And so this is how it's defined. It's defined as someone's tendency to pull down people around them who they consider are better than them in any aspect. People with crab mentality often think that if they can't have it, then other people can't have it too. 1 John 3, 13. Do not be surprised and wonder, and wonder, brethren, that the world detests and pursues you with hatred. Here's this devotion. 1 John 3, 13, tying in crab mentality. The world is full of people who prioritize, who prioritize themselves over others, which is to say the world is full of people. From birth, we have wanted the best things for ourselves, and we dislike when others have what we want. In cases where only one person can have something, many would rather see no one have it than someone else have it. This is a behavior we grow out of. And it isn't unique to humans. Put crabs in a bucket. And although any one crab could easily escape, when one tries... The other crabs pull it down. 
It's called crab mentality. How might a world infected with crab mentality look at people adopted into God's family and promise good things for eternity? It would hate us. It would want to pull us back into the bucket, even if it didn't gain anything by doing so. What do we do about it? We live in love. Showing the world a better way, even if it doesn't understand it, even if it hates us for it. So 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Application. I love his little, little simple prayer he prays. Jesus, thank you for picking me up out of the crab bucket. Show me how to bring others out in love. In love. This is how we're to live, you all. Not this weird way that the world and the enemy and the culture is trying to portray love. The love of God that compelled him to send his son into a dying world that would ultimately kill him so that those who would believe in him would be saved. And so do you understand when you have been called out of this world, you're commissioned to go into it in hopes that others will be saved. See, your Christianity isn't about you. Pay my bills, Jesus. Fix my health, Jesus. Do for me, Jesus. Do for me, Jesus. Can he? Will he? Sure. But if that's what your Christianity is based on, you don't know Christ. <laughs> your purpose as a Christian is to see others saved. No matter the cost. My life for the gospel. Let them beat me, let them reject me, let them hate me, let them mock me, let them say whatever. Because I'm not greater than my Christ. And if he said it before him and he considered it joy, knowing what would come through it, then Father, let me consider it joy every day that I go out into this broken world. Not to hate them, not to scream at them, but let me see them as you see them. Let me love them as you love them. Instead of holding them down. And damning them to hell. No, let me go forth and build them up in love. Give them the opportunity, Father, as you've given me. Because it's your will that none shall perish. But listen, you all, be mindful of the crabs in your life. No, 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 no. Don't think. <laughs> no, you're staying down here. Because this is just how our family works. This is just the dynamics of things. This is just the woundings of our past. This is just the temporalness of life. All this weird stuff that we do. I always said, especially when it comes to families. You know, we all come from broken families. But it's so weird. And yet, to the natural man, it's okay. You know, But no, the reality is when your eyes are open... Like, it's really weird that we will hold our parents, our grandparents, our aunties, our uncles, all these people accountable. But yet we do the same thing. 
to our children and to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. And somehow the finger don't point at us. We point them, it's them. No. <laughs> You're broken. You're a sinner. <laughs> You're wounded. But God can heal you. God can restore you. God can deliver you. God can take that which is a shatter mess. And listen, and listen, he didn't come to piece it back together again. Oh, no, he didn't. He came to do away with it. And bring forth life from it, a wholeness, a newness. So what the heck are we doing bringing all the pieces into it and trying to attach it to what is new? Oh, you don't, listen, we all have our sad stories. My God, I'm telling you, if I allowed myself, I would be right down there, running amok. But there has to be someone who steps up and says, there's hope. There's newness. There's wholeness. His name is Jesus. And if people don't want him, that's fine. That's fine. They can have what they want. But the question is, why do you keep going back around them and they're becoming subservient to that which they serve? Well, their family is blood. (laughs) Now, what are we supposed to do? What are they going to think if, if you don't go, if you do this or that or this or that? They're going to think that you love Jesus. That Jesus to you is greater than any of this. And that your convictions is who you truly are as a person is just not on a Sunday morning or when you feel like it is. No, but it's the reality of who you are and who you're growing and maturing to be. You're not perfect, you're not perfect until you're with them, but you're growing. And let them see your flaws and let them see your failures and let them see you restored and hold and healed and moving on. But you keep putting yourself and you keep trying to yoke yourself back to all of this brokenness. Well, someone's got to be a light in front of them. How the heck are you being in the light when you're covering your light? And I'm not telling you it's easy. It's hard. But for God's sakes, are we Christians? I mean, there has to come some time in our life that we're Christians. I'm a Christian before I'm blood with you. I'm a Christian. Because the author of life's blood flows through me. I've been adopted in. And in my adoption, the identity in which I received as one is being whole, that is what I'm living out of. And maybe it upsets you. Maybe it makes you uncomfortable. Well, I want it to. Because it made me uncomfortable. (laughs) See, the gospel offends. Like it will offend you. It will provoke you to think crazy thoughts. But submit yourself to Christ. And therefore, then resist the enemy and he has to flee. Check out your friends. 
the group of people you surround yourself with. Listen, if they're not warriors, I'm not sure what you're still doing around them. Well, I'm trying to help them. No, you're not. How are you trying? When's the last time you spoke to them? When's the last time you said, no, I'm sorry, I don't partake of that anymore? Not because I'm better than you. It's just that for me. You know, I told you. I have all these friends. I was such a social person. Just out and about. Just run them up. <laughs> Love to gather people together. <laughs> but as soon as I started getting my life together, <laughs> they didn't care about me truly living. They were fine to see me dying, talking about me, you know, running amok with me, doing the things. But they wanted to latch on and pull me back. I'm telling y'all, when you taste freedom, when you know freedom, when you know Christ, like, I, listen, if you, if you haven't wrestled with, oh, death, and I'm not talking about your physical death, I'm talking about the call of a disciple, like your commitment to Christ. Listen, okay, I'm all fine, poof, you said a little prayer. Ha, 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 poof, okay, that's cute. Ha, ha, ha. All right, in a moment, maybe that moment you felt it. But listen, from that day, you have not followed the one in whom you served. You said you served, so something's wrong with your little prayer and your little commitment that you made, which really meant nothing. Well, I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. Well, I said a prayer. Who cares? Demons pray. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you all, it doesn't make any sense to me what we're doing. But I'm telling you, when you consider the cost, and you go, listen, I fought it. I tried every which way. I tried every which way. And even through my 25 years, I tried every which way to say, is there a way out of this? Is oh God, why are you still there? Because he's Christ. Because he's God. Because he's the Savior of the world. Oh, it's going to cost you. And there's a, a turmoil that takes place because your flesh is screaming at you. No! The world is screaming at you. No! The, your father, Satan, is screaming at you. This is your family! <laughs> and you better be able to get up because Christ got up on the third day, you all. By the power of his resurrection. Unless we keep cheapening it as it's nothing. Oh, you nice. Nice little, nice little Easter. A nice little Christmas as his bird. Like, do you know what we're celebrating? Do you know what this season is? <laughs> Baby Jesus. No. No. It's the cry that pierced the darkness that finally the soul can feel its worth. And we turned it in to chaos. I said, Lord Jesus, I'm telling you all, you can't make this stuff up. But yet, people expect, calm down, Rob, just, you know, get your little Christmas, read Luke, you know, <laughs> birth, you know, so make people feel okay. 
It should make you feel okay. It should awaken you. It should challenge you to be like, oh, because you know it's been crawling all over you. You know it's been trying to convince you all this realm in which you cannot see in all of this that is so broken within you that's trying to keep you yoked and chained to what's behind you. And we're just supposed to peddle a gospel that just it tells you it's okay. It's okay. And generations of families are going to hell. Because in every generation, someone has been made alert. And yet that someone chose to stay down. Well, I don't want to stay down. I chose years ago. I say, okay, God. I don't know what this all is. But Jesus... I couldn't make this up. I, I couldn't, like, God. I mean, I was really happy and content with who I was, you all. Though, I mean, you know, happy and content as much as you can be in the world. I wasn't questioning myself. I was quite happy with who I was. I was just still so empty because I didn't have Christ. <laughs> so it wasn't like I was struggling. I'm very happy. I love my lifestyle. I love what I did. Ah. When Christ steps in, so I want to challenge you all, because I'm not going to stand up here and predict. Well, this is coming. 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 I can just tell you it's coming. Darkness is coming. The level of evil is rising like we've never seen. And if I understand the warfare that I'm under daily, I can only imagine the warfare that you all are. And I stand not in anything of myself, but because Christ is first. You see, you had to run me through the ringer with death. I ain't afraid of death. You had to run me through the ringer of all the sickness and all the chaos and all that stuff like that. I don't care. You had to run me through family dynamics. Okay. You had to run me through all this stuff. But the enemy doesn't stop. You just grow through it. You just keep pursuing. You just keep pressing on. But the level of warfare keeps intensifying. Understand what's coming. Oh, tell us, tell us, read your Bible. <laughs> read your Bible. I mean, I just finished the book of Daniel. I'm like, oh, God, do we not really see what is on the horizon? Oh, that makes me scared. Well, because you're thinking just of yourself, your flesh. But I'm a Christian. I'm still scared. Well, then get discipled on how to overcome why you're so afraid of the end times. Because as a Christian, you ought to be rejoicing. Because Christ is near. So would it be about our Father's business? Remember? Don't think I forgot what I was saying. Your purpose is to go forth into a dying world and have compassion for the lost so that in hopes that they not be saved. And if that is not on your forefront of your thought and your heart each and every single day of your life as a Christian, then I'm here to tell you, rather theologians and anyone else I'm going to argue, whatever, you're not a Christian. Oh, they may give you the right to be a Christian, but I'm telling you now. 
I don't see it anywhere in scripture. Well, I'll look here. <laughs> okay, that's just one. You want to look at this. <laughs> I want the whole scripture. And as far as I can see, as far as I can tell, <laughs> there is nothing that gives me the right to remain quiet and just hang out. No. It's Christ. All Christ. Jesus. 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 Well, you're just a fanatic. Well, I'd rather be a fanatic than part of the damned. So I'm telling you, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. I want you to go to... Huh, because we're going to be the people of God, to the will of God, for the glory of God. Psalm 90. I don't care what time is it. 11.50. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I said Jesus. I said, Lord, get us back to the days when Paul preached all night into the early morning hours. Yes, Lord, give us that hunger. <laughs> fell out the window, died, hallelujah. Came back to Jesus, come on. All right, Psalm 90. I want us to sit here, and, and you're going to say, how is this part of the application? I want you to hear the words, because these next two scriptures are, yeah, chapters I'm going to share with you of these scriptures. Like I want them, like I said last week, God, if you're not sitting and pondering and meditating, if you're not, like, ah, oh, don't rush through scripture. But this is a prayer of Moses, you all. The man of God, the Bible says. I mean, this is Moses' words. I mean, he's talking about a, a general in the faith. <laughs> Lord, through all generations you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from the beginning to end, you are God. Oh, God, I want that confidence. I don't want them just to be mere words and a nod, like, oh yeah, praise God, that's good, that's good. No, no. I want that to be a level of confidence that we have each day we get up. And as you go through the day and you get the report or you get the call or this happens or that happens or all this goes on or you're being tempted or challenged or whatever. Because <laughs> again, it's not in and of yourself. You can't sustain what God has begun in you, so get out of the way. Remember, Paul writes to the church, what are you doing? What are you trying to let out in the flesh what you received in the spirit? Like it can't be done. What are y'all doing? Y'all being led astray. <laughs> Do you like my voice today, Shay? It's Is it a raspy or something, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I hear myself. I'm like, wow. I wish it would stay that way. I kind of <laughs> like it. Anyway. <laughs> but the reality is, you understand the level of God. This is Moses' prayer, you all. He knows his. Do you know your God? The confidence that you can have. And I love, I love that he starts out and he's so confident in how great God is. But we're about to shift and turn. God is still great, but he's about to expose how we're not great. 
You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that spring up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. I love this, Jesus, in the sense of look what God does for us. And you say, well, how can this be encouraging? Listen, you all. You spread our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. That is the condition of human beings, you all. Apart from God, apart from Christ, this is your life. So the next time you want to go run among the temporal, the next time you want to just want to fit in, the next time you just want to go and be about your family drama and your hurt and your pain and blah, 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 blah. Remember, you're passing away. Remember, you're just dust in the wind. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is awesome, is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Here's our condition. Apart from you, the God, who through all generations you have been our home, before the mountains were born and before the earth came forth and the world from the beginning to the end, you are God. But as for us, the created, look at our condition. And apart from him, oh, his wrath. The turn. So, so his wrath isn't just when he's coming. Like when God turns you over, you're under his wrath. When he turns you over to what you demand to be your idol, your God, that's wrath. And in that condition, our general of the faith, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow whole in wisdom. When's the last time you prayed that? I didn't know to pray it. Now you do. Teach me. Because if you're a Christian, y'all, come on. If you're not a Christian, fine. Keep coming. We love to have you around. Oh, you're fun to be with. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, fine. If you don't want Christ, whatever. You're not going to get anything out of this. Because your heart is hardened. But if you're truly a Christian, if you've truly given your life to Christ, if you've been born again of a new nature, oh, by God, if you're not praying to grow in wisdom, 
And each day, God, let me not cling to that which is temporal. (laughs) Teach me to realize the brevity of life. Help me not to cling and be so desperate for the temporal. (laughs) Unless it's all just fading away. But may I grow in wisdom. And then I love how he ends this beautiful song. (laughs) Oh Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. So we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Oh, I love that this week when I read it. Yes. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> Replace the, come on. Lord, where's the church in here? Replace the evil years with good. <laughs> Let us, your servants, see you work again. Oh, come on, parents. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. So as I'm applying your truth, as I'm living this life, as I'm I'm seeking you, as I'm growing and maturing in Christ, as I know I am a new creation, (laughs) I know I'm not perfected. It's It's a continual state of growing Make that which I'm applying your truth and the way in which I'm living successful. But not so that I may be glorified. (laughs) So that your kingdom will come and that your will would be done and that you would receive all the glory. Come on, you all. That's how we should be living. This is how we should be living. And it's just not on, you know, oh, I heard it on Sunday morning. No, go this week and apply truth. Well, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to look different. It's okay. He knows. That's why he's giving you the Holy Spirit. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Oh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Whoa! This is a letter from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Do you see just the opening of this letter from Peter to us? As it was meant for them, it is meant for us. Can't just rush through this. 
Do you share, I'm asking you this question, the same precious faith that Peter and the church has in Christ? I pray you do. I pray you do. And then be reminded that this faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Not because of your works, not because your mama or your grandmama or your daddy or your grandpa, whoever went to church. Well, I was being raised in church. I went to a Christian school. Who cares if you're not following Christ? (laughs) uh... This faith in which you say you believe in, in which you say that you have, has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with Christ. You need to keep Him the center of all so that it keeps you out. And you understand how you should be praying, how you should be going through your day, like reflecting on this. Christ is because of your justice and fairness. I don't know what that does. It should do something for you. And people should, as they're around you, they should see something different in you. Because it truly is who you are. Because you believe. So may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow. Remember, you're not, you're not going to be perfected, but you don't make excuses. You don't take the word grace and, and, and the, the understanding of grace and cheapen it to keep you a sinner. You know, grace is the power to transform. You're constantly growing. And what are you growing in? Your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Because the more that you grow, the more that you understand who he is, the more that he is the center of, Oh, your eyes are focused. Come at me as you may. Try me as you may. Snatch me back if you may. I will tell you who I belong to. Say, do you have confidence, you all? In God. Are you growing in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord? That's why we gather. That's why you need to be discipled. I'm telling you, you can't live out your Christian life if you're not discipled. And you be mindful of who's discipling you. If you're not being challenged and and pushed towards Christ to be more like Christ, then you're not being discipled in Christ. He goes on, by his divine power, and we've heard this scripture multiple times. But again, I don't know. I know it's hit me. I know I've had to wrestle around with it. I don't know what you've done with it. But this is one-on-one discipling. By his divine power, whose power? His. Well, but I pray and I do all this. 
That all is a byproduct of what he's doing in your life. Stop making all that works your God. Ugh. Jesus, you all. Jesus, you all. It is by his divine power God has given us everything. Oh, Jesus, we need for living a godly life. You're without excuse. I'm without excuse if I keep running amok. I just keep allowing my anger problem and my... to be that which comes from me. Sure, am I at times making it? Yeah. But trust me, I feel that, oh, God, no, that's not how it should be. (laughs) He's given us everything. You know, the Bible tells us, too, he makes a way out of every temptation. Like, we've got all that we need to live as Christians. And so if you don't see, with your spiritual eyes, the warfare that's going against the church and this generation and the generation to come to strip the power from the gospel and from Christ. And yet, your creator says, I created you just for today. I prepared you long before I placed you in your mother's room. I thought of you. I knew you. I'm going to place you here and now, go do my will. You think that way? Like, oh God, my eyes are open to you. <laughs> and I'm just called just to go be fluffed around people. It's the church. Put on a little Christmas pageant for me. Make it pretty. Make it nice. Make it light. Ah. And then I can just go back out and do whatever I want. Live however I want. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. We have everything we need to live a godly life. So I don't know what excuses you make in your mind, but you better get this scripture in front of you so that you can start tearing down strongholds with truth. Don't beat yourself up. Oh, I'm a bad Christian. Listen, y'all. That's you, the enemy. That's everything trying to keep you from growing. God, if you said it, I believe it. He's not man that he shall lie. If he says he's given me everything, then I have everything. I may not, how to, I may not know how to wield my, yield my sword or wield my sword or do or how to wear or, or whatever, but God will give me the strength to, to know how to move in the armor, <laughs> to walk in the spirit. I need to be discipled. I need to connect. I need to pray. I, I need to be with people. I need to... I need to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. I need to start living out what I'm believing. Because listen, you're only going to be caught up in one or another. You're going to be caught up in the glory of God for the people of God that he has called out and has given them everything they need to live a godly life. Caught up. Or you're going to be swept away with the damned who kept telling him, you didn't do enough. It's your fault. I couldn't live this Christian life. I told you last week. Oh, I know we like to tell people, say whatever you want to God. He's a big God. He can take it. He's a holy God. And who are you, mere mortal, 
created one. Oh, trust me. I remember the season I walked through. <laughs> I'm just a created. I'm dust. I'm nothing. But in of myself before Christ, oh, we think we're everything. We think we're everything. And that somehow, some way, all of this lasts forever. <laughs> and you said you're being played by the enemy, by the world, and by your very nature that hates God. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, just sing to us. <laughs> Are you equipped? Do you even know what you're singing? Do you even know the power behind the words that you're saying? To demolish strongholds. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us, this is so beautiful, to himself. By means of his marvelous glory and excellence, we would have never looked to him, but in and of himself, <laughs> he reveals himself. He brings, he brings us <laughs> that we may know him. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share, oh my goodness, his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Do you understand how you're to be living? Do you understand the promises in which you've been given? Do you understand what he has formed and established? His kingdom will not be shaken. His kingdom is eternal. Oh, God, just take me up. And you mean to tell me, God, this wretched man, that apart from you, that I am this created being who, who within my very nature would never look for you, never want you, just keep living for myself, doing for myself. And yet, because of your love, uh, because through Christ, because of these precious promises, because of this truth, I can share in your divine nature I don't know when you hear that, what that even means to you. But I remember years ago when it hit me. And so why am I still doing and going and saying and being this way? Why am I trying to unite this with Christ? Because I share now your divine nature. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a child of wrath. I'm no longer a child of disobedience. What? Are you going to lose these moments? 
through my Christian walk. I don't know about you. Oh, there should be. Maybe different, but there should be. Like where you're just like, oh God, the weight of who you are, that everything is, oh, this is so amazing. Like what? So why am I groveling over here? Why am I back over here? Why am I doing, oh. See, I don't know how you're living. I don't know if the weight of his glory has fallen upon you. But when you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good, why are you settling for there? Like, I love a good, I, you know, I'm not a big red meat eater, but I love a good prime rib. After I taste a prime rib, why would I go back, though I do like crystals, but why would I choose crystals over prime rib? You know? Like, what? Like, huh? Like, you're offering me this, but that, why, why would I, like, what? Like, no. Like, oh. Like, once you taste it and you see it, like, do you knowing? Do you know why we're celebrating? Like, so I'm tired. I'll be honest, I'm tired. I don't want to keep going through the motions. I just don't want to keep just, okay, okay, it's just enough. No, like, okay, God. What? And with this understanding that I'm now sharing in his divine nature, not by anything I've done, I can escape the world's corruption caused by these desires that are within me. So why do I'm going to keep tagging these desires to, to his name? When these desires are nothing of God. Nothing of God. Nothing of God. So in view of all of this, with the knowledge of all of this, here's some application for you. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. <laughs> That's your part. Make every effort, day in, day out, moment by moment, hour by hour, every interaction that you have, every opportunity that's there. I just want to serve Jesus. No, you don't. You don't even do moment by moment. But I want, but I'm called. Where? <laughs> when it's not even who you are. Oh, but I just got to do what? When you can't take the basic steps. And again, I'm not trying to be mean. Well, he just always preaches. Well, I've heard someone say that to me before. Well, you always sound mean. Good. I hope it challenges you. That's just a lot that you're putting on us. It's not me. So the more that you look at and saying it's me putting it on you, I can tell you're not getting it. <laughs> well, you'd be shocked at stuff I hear from people. Or it gets back to me. I said, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So if you have all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. But I don't know God's promises. That's because you refuse to get disciples. You just poof, I said a prayer. This is how it works, right? I don't have to grow like everyone else. I'm just in the kingdom. Look at me. What? What? So with this, add 
supplement your faith. Add to your faith. A generous provision of moral excellence. Do you understand that? That's not, that's not man. That's the Holy Spirit. Like here. Here's application. Not via man or a preacher. But through the Holy Spirit. So with this understanding. Do you understand how awesome this is you all? So with this understanding church. You have all that you need. So put into practice, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And if you do so, add to your faith moral excellence. And to moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And with self-control with patient endurance. And with patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. This is what your life is to be producing. And I love the fact. I love the fact before it started with love. Because your life, you're never going to get to that. Remember what I said earlier? Remember we talked about the crabs? And we're praying like God send us out. Let us love, let us love. Oh, you're not going to get to that level until you add to your faith. The standard, boom, moral excellence. What? Well, can I just go out and love? Can I just skip all of that? No. Because you go out and you try to put love first. And you're making it the worldly love. Moral excellence. Knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and then love. This is how you'd be living. No, just tell us what we want to, you know, give us a nice motivation speech. And do you understand all of this? Everything that's out here, everything within you, everything from this realm is waging war against all of this to keep you dull and ineffective. And you say, well, see, God understands. (laughs) So he knows. It's just so hard. Fool. Fool for you to... Think it and mention it and believe it. You ought to repent. Because he wouldn't have called you to it if he thought you couldn't live it. Through what he's accomplished. Through Jesus Christ and then sending forth the Holy Spirit, God himself in you to live through you. So basically, you're telling God you're not God. It's just too hard. It's just too much. But I'm sure you're okay with me. And I love this promise. Oh, Jesus. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed 
from their old sins. What? So, dear brothers and sisters, oh, application, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. It doesn't mean you work for your salvation. Remember, all that is through Christ. What does that mean then? What does it mean I'm to work hard to prove that I'm really among those God has called and chosen? Are you applying? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you advancing? Are you moving forward? Because if not, God help you. I love this precious promise that he says, do these things and you will never fall away. And not just do it one time. Like, oh, look, I arrived. No, this is, this is how you live every day now. This is what you're doing every day now. This is what you're adding every day now. Moral excellence is the standard for your life every day. Well, that means I have to stop doing this. I, have to, oh, I don't know if I want to. Well, no, that's a little fun. Okay. That's you. That's you. But you understand, I'm, 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 I'm trying to help all of us. From the truth of God's word, what well, can't be really that, you know, really? Well, have you read the gospel, why Jesus came? Have you read? Or are you just believing this weird false God that just names himself Jesus? <laughs> so all these little Jesuses running amok. Like, do we truly understand whom we belong to? So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God, then God, will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, for goodness sakes. That's not enough to make you shout. What? Yes. Again, I'm not working. I'm not striving. Oh, oh, I hope I get there. Oh, I hope I get there. No, no. I can have confidence that I'm there. I can have confidence that I'm sealed until the day of redemption because of the Holy Spirit. I can have confidence even when I fall. That the Holy Spirit's going to be quick to convict, get up, because he still knows I'm living behind enemy lines. But I'm not making excuses for my sins. No, the standard is moral excellence. For moral excellence, knowledge. From knowledge, self-control. Self-control, patient endurance. Patient endurance, godliness. Godliness, brotherly affection. And then adding to brotherly affection, love. I can throw off the sin that so easily entangles me. I can run and pursue the race. I don't have to grovel. Oh, look at me. I'll fall again to the back. Oh, my God. Oh, stop. No, get up, get up. Remain alert. Remain alert, 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 alert. Your enemy's roaming around seeking whom he may devour. But he can't touch you if you're in Christ. But you keep one foot out and one, you know, try to keep one foot in. You're going to be devoured. 
because you're making a mockery of God. Therefore, he says, I always remind you about these things. Peter, say something new. Are you preaching the same thing over and over? Peter, why, Peter? <laughs> I always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Do you understand whose, whose words you're reading, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but what he took in? He was there. So he's not making up a clever story. No, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. There's your eyewitness account. And we just want to patty cake Jesus. <laughs> because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. But Peter, I didn't have that experience. <laughs> so I'm glad he didn't stop there. You, who, you, who, me, who, you, <laughs> must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. And you can't even pick up the Bible. Well, I flip on the app and let it read to me. I'll do it again. You know, we're so flipping about it. This is your life. This is who you are now. <laughs> Anything outside of this Fool, fool. <laughs> this is who you are now. Peter, the eyewitness, a general of the faith, instructing us through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you must pay close attention to what they wrote. For the words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the Messiah, Christ the, and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. God, you all. God. 
man couldn't put this together. I keep telling you, man would never expose really who we are and how holy God is and how just God is. Man would never. <laughs> but a holy God who loves his creation that's in rebellion towards him, he's just. He's just. This is what I have the charges against you. You're in rebellion towards me. And I revealed myself to you with such great love that even in that condition, I sent forth my son to take on your punishment because I loved you so much and I understand the condition you're in. And he willingly went and considered it joy to take upon what you deserved and to lay upon you what I gave him. Now it's upon you. If you're truly one who believes and receives. I mean, listen, y'all. I'm talking about eternity here. And this loving God who's, who's full of wrath, not because he's schizophrenic or he has this anger problem, no, he hates what sin has done to humanity. And what sin and how destructive it is has done to creation. Everything's under judgment. But he has come to set it all in order because of his greatness and of his power to be displayed for all eternity. And you just want a weird form of Christianity that just stamps you on your forehead. Poof, you're a Christian. Uh -huh. I can't change that for you if that's what you want to keep living. I can only open up the word of God and pray that, oh God, yet again, be merciful to them. Be merciful to me. Reveal yourself yet again to us that we may turn from our wickedness and turn to you. That we would be wholly set apart as your people and that you would be our God and that we would know that we have been called and chosen for such a time as this. Oh, there is a way in which we ought to live and it is as unto Christ. So I'm going to close this out with this last song of worship and then I'll close us in prayer.
There's a grace for me that's still it up And I hope that I cling to Even in lowest low There's two 